Welcome to episode 33 of the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, Rob and I will take you through our best tips to help your indie author career instantly improve. Our mailbag question this week comes in from America and quizzes Rob and I on the best way to sell books. Mm. Then, to see off the show in style, urban fantasy author Mark Wells will be here to answer our seven questions. So, an exciting show today, Rob. Yeah. Our main talking point is interesting because we have each taken three points that we feel we can pass over to our listeners to instantly help them improve their indie author career. Um, so that's going to be an interesting uh, look, an interesting opening half an hour or so to the show before we get to the mailbag. But before we get to that um, six ways to improve your indie author career, how has your last seven days been since since we spoke? Oh, it's been a horrible, horrible week, David. <laughs> um, as we spoke off recording. I um, yes. Yeah, you've known this. We, we should be called the two ill authors this week. We've both been yes. struck down by illness. Um, my little girl bought a bug back into the house on Friday, was very mm-hmm. sick for most of the weekend. And then by bank holiday Monday, that sickness had transferred to me. And uh, I'm I'm getting to the back end of it, but for the last three to four days, I've either been unconscious or in the bathroom. So it's not been fun. Um, I'll save any gory details for people, but yeah, it's a it's been a bit of a hard week, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, you say you you you'll spare the gory details. You did say you're at the back end of it, and it was all happening at the back end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a slim line. I'm, I'm streamlined myself, if anything. Like. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're looking very spelt, very thin <laughs> this week. You've, you've lost some pounds. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's not been fun. I will, as always, I will spin a positive off of it. We've always got to look for positives. <laughs> yes. That's and, it. Um, a good positive of it is, so Monday was the worst day for me. I was yeah. not conscious for most of it. And when I was awake, I was a, just a weird like fever dream or whatever. Like I was just oh. not well. Hey, ditto, ditto. That was me on Monday. I was absolutely flat. Mm. I thought I was after getting a bit of um, sun. What do they call it? Sunstroke. Mm. I was so drained. Monday and Tuesday, I was just absolutely I just wanted to be left alone and in and out of consciousness, <laughs> lying on my bed, face yeah, down. Yeah, it was, it was grim. So um, I didn't really get my bearings until probably Tuesday afternoon. And right. then what I did is, like, I think I've said it on here before, I have a couple of points throughout the day where I check how my sales are going. Um, yeah. So I didn't check at all on the Monday. And I was like, oh, I should probably see how I did. And I had, for for no promo or no launch, comfortably my best ever sales day on the day where I was so horrendously ill. So the, the, nice. the positive that comes off of that is, is like this career we have, is attainable because we've proven yeah. it's attainable that you can get to a point where you can be horrendously ill <laughs> after spending yeah. three days looking after a horrendously ill child 
<laughs> and still have one of the best days, like successful days of your career. Exactly. So a positive that's come out of it. <laughs> yes. Now, between all the trips to the toilet, mm. um, did you get any work done over the last seven days? I've done just um, just admin. I, I, I wasn't in admin, the headspace yeah. to, do, to do writing or anything like that. But I've, I got on top of all of my admin. You got on top of the admin. Yeah, but the thing about being creative, if you're just not in that zone, there's no point in even attempting it. No. So so I just... Uh, it's been me. You've We've mentioned you've not been well either, either a stomach bug or sunstroke. But how have you been yeah. beyond that? Um, I, I did manage to get... I, I was in the good flow um, of writing this next novella. Mm. And that continued over Friday. And I, I actually took the laptop out at the weekend because we didn't have Lola. She was at a sleepover. Um, so we managed to get some work done. But then Monday, I was really struck down with that. So I haven't done... I did I did a couple of thousand words yesterday, actually, is all I've done this week. So uh, I think I was aiming for between five and 10,000 words to write in the last week. I only managed about half of that, maybe maybe between four and 5,000. Um so not as productive that way as I would have liked to be. But again, as I just said, once if you if the mind is not in it when you're when you're yeah. when you're trying to be a creative, um, there's just no point really in trying. Um, I did have some great news yesterday, Dal. Oh, go on! I love One, great news. But this is this uh, an email dropped when I was feeling shit, and even though it was the best email in the world, I kind of looked at it and went, oh. But it's probably the best email I've received. So one of the biggest writers, um. I won't say his name, but we know him um, from lots of TV dramas. He got in touch with me because he had read my Alex Ferguson treatment. Right. And he now owns one of the biggest um, or one of the biggest growing, fastest growing uh, production companies in the country. And I am meeting with him on the 27th of June. It's in the diary. Delicious. I'm going down to to Soho in London uh, for a big meeting with him. And his email to me was really complimentary and, and very much a fan of what I had put on paper for the Alex thing. So we're getting closer. Now, I've had big emails and phone calls about this before and got excited about it only to be let down. But this is the first sort of meeting with a big name that's mm-hmm. been put in the diary. So hopefully over the next uh, four weeks or so, we, we get some movement on that and I'll, I'll keep our listeners in tune. Oh, congratulations, David. That's amazing news. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Again, you can get excited and then be de- I could be deflated in four weeks' time or I could be dancing in four weeks' time. We'll, we'll see where we're at then. Okay, Rob, so it's now time for the talking point. And this week, mm-hmm. as we alluded to or hinted at the top of the show, you and I are giving our listeners six tips on how they can instantly improve their indie author career. So I have brought three to the table. Uh You have brought three uh, tips to Mm -hmm. the table. And what we want aim to do now over the next 25 minutes or half an hour is to give our listeners something to think about and perhaps even a little bit of homework over the next week that they can instantly improve their professional author career. You're such a teacher setting homework. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good topic, should be a really helpful one. But you know me, David, I like to be a sneaky little sausage. And yeah. I've actually bought a sort of a secret seventh tip, um, which yeah. I'm just going to put in now as 
sort of a disclaimer for this episode. Okay. Um, so a little peek behind the curtain is we you know we we prepped our our three points that we're bringing to the table today, and this one mm-hmm. I did have as an original one, but then it got overridden by the three I have I will will be going into. Ah, but okay. This, this, this kind of disclaimer, this this sort of secret tip is if you're sourcing information or advice from someone whether it's free like this podcast we don't charge for this podcast or or you're mm-hmm. buying courses from well-respected um, people always make sure that the person you're getting that information from has the credibility to be able to be given that information great point um so you know we're not experts but we are full-time at this like we have built ourselves up from the ground up um doing this we do it pretty successfully now so mm-hmm. hopefully some of the things we say do have does have a little you know bit of weight to it yeah a little weight to it but as 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 you always say rob when there's no definitive list of this no. is how there's no formula this is how you become a successful in the author it's a creative gig mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> excuse me therefore everybody's approach to it sort of needs to be different in some way, doesn't it? You have to come at it from your own, your, from your own creative point. Yes. And, and, and also this show we're very passionate about is we're not telling you this is how to do it. It says yeah. how we did it. And mm-hmm. we're just sharing that with you. So these six tips are six tips we've taken on board. And I say, we, we actively put into practice um so there you go treating everyone to a sneaky little seventh tip already but yeah it's a great point because there's so many people out there trying to take advantage of those with digital careers or online careers so you have to know who you're getting information from my my biggest bugbear is loading up a youtube video and seeing excuse my language some wanker saying I'm here at my second house and I'm a millionaire. Oh, and you just think, yeah. get off my screen. Stop trying to, if you want to be rich like me, buy my course yeah. to make me rich. It's like, oh God, just, yeah. so guys, please just be sensible um, when you're, when you're sourcing information and trying to learn. Learning is good, but one of the best things to learn quickly is know who you're learning from. Absolutely. And I should say, uh, sorry, Rob, if, if you are approached by somebody like that or you're tempted to invest money into somebody, um, don't be afraid to come to the Two in the Authors Facebook group and ask Rob yeah. and I and the rest of our community if they feel that that is a good idea. So don't be yes. afraid to use us in that way. Yeah, absolutely. We are here for you, as we like to say. But David, let's mm-hmm. kick things off with the six points. So you can go first. What is your first oh. point that you think would instantly improve an indie author career? Okay, well, this is probably not going to be anything new for a, an indie author to hear, but it is pivotal. And that's pivotal written all in caps, mm. emboldened, italicized, underlined. You have to Ensure your book covers, your blurb, uh, and your sales page on Amazon are equal or is equal to the best-selling traditionally published books. Yes. Now, that is not brand new information, but if you're sitting here wondering um, why you're only earning £120 a month uh, from book sales, and yet you've heard that your sales page and your book covers need to be super professional and yet you haven't really 
being asked to go about it. Well, what we're saying or suggesting today with this tip is over the next week, get to it, write a better blurb, get a better sales page, Amazon sales page, make sure your Amazon sales page, and that includes your book cover and your blurb are as professional as anything that Penguin Random House or Hodder and Staunton or any of the big five are putting out there. So your sales page on Amazon needs to sell your book. It needs to shout this book is brilliant yeah it's a hundred percent accurate um i think the the way to live by is you need to be indistinguishable um from a yes. traditional published author they, they, people shouldn't be able to tell the difference um yeah as an example i put a post up the other day on my book was that between a lee child book and a dan brown book the other day Great. on on amazon but you wouldn't That's be able amazing. to tell Yes, you wouldn't be able because to your because your cover looks just as professional mm-hmm. as theirs, and your blurb and your your plot line in terms of your tease or your hook, what this book is about, is just as good as anything um, Lee Child has written. So you are indistinguishable to them in terms of um, the sales page. Yeah. Absolutely, that's it. That's the that's the aim. So if you're doing like a if your cover's not good enough, you know we had Stuart Bache on a couple of weeks ago the the, yeah. the voice on on covers but you know there there are places you don't have to spend hundreds of pounds if you can't afford to but you can get mm-hmm. a good um pre-made cover for 50 60 quid so if that's a month without buying coffees at costa or starbucks or a month without buying a bottle of gin or a bit do you know what i mean like little yeah. treats you give uh, yourself make those sacrifices we- and get that get the cover done Yes, I don't want to be the bad boy of in the authoring, but um, um, again, we're not telling people how to do things. We're giving um, tips, but uh, spending 50 or 60 pounds on a pre-made cover by a professional is a hundred times, a million times better than you going into Canva or, you know, any other art and uh, piece of software and creating your own cover. Mm-hmm. Let a professional cover your books if you want to be a, um if you want your books to look professional please please get a professional book cover to do it you can take the cheaper route as rob said you can already get a pre-made cover and therefore they'll just change your name and your title on it or if you want something unique an individual you can spend a few hundred pounds to make sure your cover is uh, as good as it can be so it's not just your cover it's also make sure your blurb and your sales page in general so what what I'm going to say here, tip one is to ensure your book covers and blurb are equal to the best-selling traditional published books. What I want our listeners to do over the next week, Rob, mm-hmm. is to go onto their sales page, pretend that they are a consumer, not the author, go onto their sales page and think, would I buy this book? Mm. And that might give you the answers, okay? So that's tip number one. Ensure your book covers and blurb are equal to the best-selling books out there. Yeah, that's my biggest tip I can give. It, people might be rolling their eyes because they've heard that a hundred times. But what is what's what's the one tip you would give, Rob? So let's go to number two. So I I thought um, I would focus my number my first tip on writing itself because yes. I, I live and die by the idea that nothing sells your book better than your next book. So you should always yep. be writing. Um, I get you might give me a bit of stick, David, about how I prolifically write. But yes, it's, it's not working. Stick. Um, it is stick. Um, but no, I would say it's so. jealousy. It's jealousy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
So my first tip is write in sprints. So Great. So you've said that a few times on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So just explain exactly what you mean by write in sprints. So, yeah, I have mentioned it a number of times. Um, I think I mentioned on the first episode we ever did. Um, uh-huh. And I think we did a whole episode about how to write if you have a full-time job. Um, and yeah. this is something I did. So, you know, we, we're all strapped for time. I'm not one of those people who goes like, hey, we've all got 24 hours in a day. It just depends how you use it. That's that's not yeah. me. I'm, I'm just as happy to spend an hour playing football manager or something like that. So, yes. But the idea of a writing sprint, and I think I picked this up off of Adam Croft, I think was the first person who sort of laid it out. And Adam Croft is is obviously a powerhouse in independent yeah. Yeah, uh, publishing. Um, the idea is, is, you know, you actually only need like half an hour of half an hour, say. And then what you do is you eliminate absolutely every possible distraction you could have before you start so again goes back to my number one rule of have a wee before you start but like get a drink um put your phone in the other room disconnect the internet if you have to all of these things put them out the way and then you can just set a timer and then hit go and then for 30 minutes just write just try it just try it and see how many words you get down and I found when I was starting out, I would write just the same amount as if I sat down for two hours with no dedicated time. Yeah. I'd write the same as with that. And then you become more efficient. And then actually, if you can write, say, a thousand words in half an hour, try and do that three times a week. Yeah. And then try and do it five times a week because you're only asking for half an hour. And then if you can master that, you can then start doing those sprints in your um lunch breaks or you could get up half hour earlier every morning yeah and you just consistently write and write and then eventually you the momentum just becomes inevitable exactly it's like a snowball isn't it rolling down the hill you mm-hmm. eventually get there suddenly you're giving yourself um three to five sprints a week and then a, a month has gone by and you've got um thirty thousand words written exactly suddenly you've and you've got a third of a book the- or yeah or more yeah, even more than a third yeah yeah you're, you're, you're almost halfway there to 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 uh writing the words at the end which we, we all strive to and mm-hmm. um, but that's a great tip great tip to give rob it, it, it because in this creative world efficiency is sort of key isn't it and it's so easy to not write it's much easier to yeah. not write than write so it's, it's a lot your, easier to do that your idea then is to Block off all those distractions, phones out of the room, internet's turned off on the laptop, um, child's out of the house, and, yeah. or and whatever, sleep. whatever, or sleep, whatever you need um, mentally to prepare. It could be classical music, it could be the new 1975 album, or it could be white noise, or it could be silence, whatever you need. Get yourself in that zone, put a, 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 a give yourself a half an hour and go, right, how many words can I get going now? Yeah, and I don't even think, think about anything else. Now, I'm not as disciplined as you. I think we, all our listeners know that. But mm-hmm. it, it amazes me how when, as soon as I start, as soon as I start going, typing, that, you know, a thousand words are down. But my problem is starting the typing. But that's, because I'm like, you. I could sit there for two hours, just my mind gone. And so many distractions, of course, I'm down YouTube rabbit holes or 
all this type of thing. So if you give yourself that dedicated time that Rob is giving us the tip for today, it makes so much difference in terms of efficiency. It's worth remembering. It's it's really worth remembering um, if that's what you, know, you, you want to write is you actually love writing. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as you sit down and start doing it, you really enjoy it. If you don't, why yeah. are you doing it? So exactly. So actually, all you're trying to do is just dedicate a little bit of time to something you love doing. And if you can't dedicate a half hour a day, then that's unfortunate. But most people can. So most people should. So that that's Great my tip. tip. Great tip. So so far, you've been told. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure your sales page is as good as it can be. And the big tip we gave you there was to go onto your own sales page and figure out, would I buy this book? Second mm -hmm. tip is about um, the process of your writing. And Rob is religious about it. It's writing in sprints. It will get you there. It will get you towards writing those words, the end. Two great tips. You ready yeah. for tip three, Rob? I am. Now, this one enra enrages me a little bit. My rage has probably come out on the podcast before on this. But tip number three, get your pricing right. Yes. Get your pricing yeah. right. I, I am sick of seeing books for free and 99p. Now, I, I don't mind books for free and 99p if there is a revenue generating pricing plan. Mm -hmm. So you might think, I'm going to give this one for free, next one 99p, next one 199, next one 299, 399. But there has to be a plan in place that you're saying, right, I'm, my first two books are lost leaders. I'm not making any money on them. But by the time my readers get to books four and five, where I'm charging 399 and 499, that's where my, that's where my bank account mm -hmm. is getting healthy. But this whole idea of just having one book out there or two books out there and they're and you're giving them away for free or 99p with no plan or strategy to make money from them. It, it really gets under my skin. And again, it's a bit like my first uh, tip here today, which is to make sure your book covers and blurb are equal to the best selling uh, books. If they're not, it looks cheap and it looks like it's self published and it looks like it's doing the self publishing industry or community at the service same with the pricing okay. make sure you have a revenue generating plan um have some faith in your writing be brave believe in yourself believe in the books that you have put out there now there's no point in trying to charge 4.99 for an ebook or 11.99 for a, a paperback if you're not adhering to tip number one which is making sure you're covers on your whole sales page looks like it's worth 499 or 1199 for the book so once you have tip one in order i urge you i urge all our listeners to be brave and to believe in themselves when it comes to pricing fantastic i mean you're a massive proponent of it and i think it's it's excellent and i think it's a drum you should always uh, be banging is is valuing yourself yeah because if you don't it. value your work like if you don't value the book, why would a reader? Like, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, know, you want to be putting out a premium product. As horrible as that is to refer to the books as a product or content or whatever, you are still in the art of selling something you've created to a consumer. Yes, great point. So, if if Ooh. even if you, so, if you get all the stuff together, like David said in tip one, and it's all put together nicely. Why would you then undercut yourself yeah. by 
by doing it. So I, my, the night shift, my first book, that is one ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I've had sales at three ninety nine. Yeah, but I but one ninety nine works was, for you. Yes. Yeah, I've had sales when it was at two ninety nine, and the rest were at four ninety nine. Remember, I did a bit of a research on it, and I That's found right. I actually made slightly more money by having slightly lower price because I was getting more in, more people in. Um, yeah. But that's research I can do because, again, tip one, I have all the stuff in place. Tip two, I write a lot of books. Tip three, I value my work. So yes. yeah, these are all things we live by. You, David, you've priced your books. I'm not going to say an extortionate price, but I think you price your books at a higher point than most indie authors. Yeah. But with good it's reason, around- right? around 5.99 which i feel i can charge because you know they've got thousands of positive reviews and you know i I have adhered to tip number one and my books can Mm -hmm. really stand up there alongside anything that's on any Mm -hmm. shelf in any bookstore um but can i be a teacher again yeah go on you'll always be a teacher more homework i want Uh. you to set out a a price or a, a, a revenue plan. Mm-hmm. So you go, if you have eight books, for example, let's have a plan of how they can be priced or what they can be priced at. And something as Rob has worked out and I've, I've worked out my pricing plan and um, test it and find out, okay, maybe if I do give my first book away for just 99p, I can charge 199 for the second and then 399. Just, uh, you mightn't write in series, you might write in standalones like me. But um, figure out a plan, a marketing plan and a, a, a pricing plan that will get you the most bang for your book, literally. Lovely. Shall I, uh, shall I move on to tip four, my second looking one? For, looking forward to it. So this is a practical one um, people should do. It's um, get your back matter right. So yeah. get the, the back end of your book in order. Yes. Um, you're giving them more are, homework. It's going to be more homework. I am. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a bastard. Um, <laughs> now we did a whole episode on this uh, episode way back in episode seven. So that was back yeah, in was 2022. One, wasn't yeah. yeah. Because this is a, a main one that people just overlook. Um, so it's just for those easy. who who are a bit naive to the whole game, back matter. What's that? So that is the contents at the back of your book after the story has finished. So um, usually, so actually I'll say usually, I'll just say mine. So my back matter is my book finishes. They're then given a page which says, hope you really enjoyed the book. Hey, if you want a couple of free novellas, click here. And that link takes them to my website and they can sign up to my mailing list. Then there's another page. What you're getting there is an email, right? Yeah, so I'm trying to pull an email in, which will build up my yeah. mailing list, which is a key component of my business. I then have yes. another page which lists all the books out in order with links to them. Um, mm-hmm. There's another page which does it. Hey, you want to save some money? You can get a box set instead which with the box sets on. And then there's Brilliant. another page which says, you can help me. You can help me. So you, all you have to do is leave a rating or review click the link here and it takes them to the page on Amazon to leave a review. That is my back matter. Yeah. But it's primed and I've gone through different iterations of it to make it effective. Now, when I say it's, it's easy to do, it is easy to do. Um, (laughs) Obviously 
I use a software called Vellum, which we, you know, big proponents of. If you don't have Vellum, you can always do it in, um, you can put hyperlinks into your document in Microsoft Word. Um, I use something called Genius Link, which allows you to do a international, a universal link to the book. So if someone in America clicks on it, it takes them to the American store. Someone from the UK clicks on it, takes them to the UK store. Basically, I have all that in place. And I generate lots of reviews, I get lots of signups, and I get a lot of read through. So something's working. So I would say definitely go back and listen to episode seven, because we go into detail. We both do. But I'd say I'm going to give a little bit of homework this week. Have a look at your back matter. If you haven't got any, start building it. But then try and Go through your library of books, maybe ebooks if you read them, and pick out some of the biggest authors. So, like, say you've got anything from L.J. Ross, from Mark Dawson, maybe something from David, maybe something from myself. Just have a look at the back of the book and just see what they've got going on. Yeah, and build something similar. Yeah, great tip because essentially what Rob is suggesting to our listeners there is. You're kind of, we don't want to say fans because it sounds a bit pretentious, but you're trying to uh, collate a fan base. That's what you're doing with your back matter. Uh, and it's key because then it, it means selling your next book to this person who's already invested in you uh, is much, much easier than trying to sell this book cold. So, yeah, as Rob says, episode seven is all about back matter. Uh, do check that one out. Uh, just before we move on to your final tip, think of mm-hmm. it as we, we talk about time a YouTube rabbit hole, right? And I always say the horrible word of content. But at the end of every video that's well put together on YouTube, they will say what to watch next. And they will have more of their content there for you to do it. And yeah. it'll all be primed and ready to go to grab your attention and for you to click the next thing. And then you'll watch another video and then they'll have it again. And then they'll say, why don't you subscribe? Yeah. And they'll pop a little yeah. thing up in your headset in, in the video saying, click here to subscribe. And eventually you'll go, yeah, I, I like all this stuff. I'll subscribe. And that is effectively what you're doing with your back matter is you're saying, hey, you enjoyed that. Do you want some more free stuff? Why don't you sign up and get some free stuff? Oh, you want the yeah. next book? Here's the next book. Oh, do you want to be part of this with me? Why don't you? It's all about, like you said, collating a fan base and a mm-hmm. readership. And it costs you nothing. So go and yeah. start working on it if you haven't. Yeah, such a great tip. As you, as you say, it costs nothing. It really does. It's about you being professional and um, really uh, sort of understanding how you can sell and sell and sell and continue mm-hmm. to sell books. So, yeah, back matter is a key component. Shall I get to my final tip, um, yes. which is number five of our six, Rob? Mm-hmm. Now, this is this this should go without saying, but again, it's another one I see a lot of indie authors get wrong. What I want you to do is to ensure your books are available wherever they can be. Yes, Amazon is the largest um, ebook retailer globally, so your books are there. If they're not there, you're definitely doing that wrong. Uh, let's let's not make two bones about it. I've seen authors boast that they're not on Amazon. I'm not selling my books on Amazon. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, then you're not selling books. Um, so what I want you to do is it's not just Amazon. Yes, we focused a lot on Amazon and, and we ask our seven or, or we ask an author 
out of our seven questions every week, are you wide or exclusive? So mm-hmm. we understand you can be exclusive to Amazon, but that's just with eBooks or perhaps with your audiobooks. But when it comes to your paperbacks, make sure you're uploaded to Ingram Spark because bookstores will start buying your books or they could start buying the books. Uh-huh. So you could even pitch to these bookstores to buy them and just lead them to Ingram Spark, who are a wholesaler, who will provide them the books for about £3 each and then you get a little bit of profit and and it works. And then there's other companies like Gardner's or O'Mahony's. Make sure your books are uploaded there because libraries will take them in oh. from those sort of distributors. So have a look around. If you don't know who these distributors are or where you should be uploading your paperbacks to, apart from Amazon and those uh, other online retailers, um, ask in our Facebook group. We, we, we're happy to provide the information on, uh, on stuff like that. So my tip, my third tip here is ensure your books are available wherever they can be. The more you make them available, it goes without saying, the more sales you're likely to make. It's a really good point. I think it's... um. Yeah, it's a good one to touch on because you and I are both exclusive with Amazon. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we do cut out Kobo, Apple, Barnes and Noble, yeah. and Google are the main ones. Yeah, for ebooks only, though. But that's just for ebooks. That's what, yeah, people need yeah. to understand that's just for ebooks. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, we've, we've been over many times morally how we feel about that at times. But mm-hmm. the off cuff is is we we have successful careers out of it and successful businesses. Um, but I think you're right. I think, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't rush to try and get my books into bookshops. It's not something I've ever focused on, so I can't really yeah. talk to it. However, if you wanted to do a local, so I might try and do it when I do my next series, which is going to be set in where I live in Buckinghamshire. Oh, great. I'm going to approach all the bookshops in the area. Yes. For them to bring so the book in. It's a local story. Local story is set. It's the, the, a murder happens 10 meters away from your shop. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of thing. So if if you want that to, if you want to be able to do something like that, and I think you should try and, people should try and track down what Adam Croft did with his, is it Rutland series? I know we spoke about yes. Adam quite a lot today. But... Which is something similar to what you're planning to do, which is make it local and, and make it explode in a certain region. Yeah, he, he, he got the entire town or whatever to basically build his series because he, he, he did it locally. But he wouldn't be able to do yeah. that if his books weren't available for them to be bought in. So, yeah, using yeah. things like... Um, Ingram Spark, as you say, like gardeners, those things. It's it's really important. It is. And uh, just before we go on to your final tip, Rob, I'll just conclude this one by saying, like you, I am not very proactive in terms of approaching bookstores and saying, mm. you can go to Ingram Spark and buy my book. Um, I'm not proactive of that. And I'm not preaching that um, our listeners should be either. But what I am suggesting with this tip is make sure it's available everywhere. So those instances can happen there's no point your, your books are, bookstores are not going to stock your book if your book hasn't been uploaded to a distributor so upload them to any distributors all and any that you can find or that you know about because otherwise you're just leaving potential money on the table yeah and there's no excuse not to do it david because yeah ingram spark got rid of their, their uploading uh, fees yeah Absolutely, yeah. So get get that get your book in paperback as wide as it can possibly be, and and leave all options open. 
Yeah. So we've come, this has been quick, but we've come to the sixth tip, Rob, and this one's yours. What have you got to say to our listeners? So my first tip was a creative tip for about writing. Mm -hmm. My second tip was something practical to do. My third tip is about mind mindset. It's like a mental yeah. thing. Key. So the final tip is stop comparing or competing and just focus on yourself. Now, this was Great point. a game changer for me um, is when I realized it's not a contest. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, I am not competing for readers with other authors in my genre. It's yeah. not a competition because most people who read in a genre will read books if they like the author. So I, I point people into the direction of other authors all the time. Because if you like my book, exactly. you probably like this author. Because yeah. that's the way it is. It's not a competition. So put it this way, not to be rude, David, I don't care how many books you've sold this year. Apart from that, yes. you've sold enough to earn a good living from it. That's as much as I yeah. care about it. Because yeah. I know that's what you want to do. I love all the yes. success you have in. I love the, the stuff around the Ferguson stuff. That's amazing. But I don't sit there and go, yeah. oh, David sold this many this month and I've only sold this many. Damn it. Yeah. I, I, it's a great point. I could give, let me give you an, a little anecdote that actually involves you, Rob. I have a friend of mine who we actually met because we were attached to the same publishing house originally. Mm -hmm. And um, he's a big deal. He's... Um, at Old Trafford and stuff like this at Man United, and I get to go VIP uh, with mm -hmm. him the games. But I was driving up to Manchester with him at one point, and um, as we were starting this podcast, I said, oh, I'm doing a podcast with another indie author, Rob Enright, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, right, right, right. And he said, um, what types of books does he write? And I said, oh, they're actually similar to yours. I said, they're, they're this um, bit Jack Reacher, this uh, uh, hero who, who goes around putting things right. And he went, oh, fuck. And I went, what? And he went, another uh, another guy competing with me. And I went, well, no, that's yeah. not how it works. That's not oh. how it works. If somebody is, if Rob Enright is able to sell X hundred thousand amount of copies, that's a good thing. That shows that there's such an appetite in the genre. So you're not competing. Yeah. You, you, he should be looking at that going, oh, Rob is doing this. I can do it. So you, you shouldn't be uh, competing. It's not a competition. If somebody is selling in a genre with, that you're writing in, that's a good thing. That proves that there's a market there for it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's and that's and that's the main thing. Once you once you understand that, it it takes a lot of pressure off your head because the the world is designed for you to only see people succeeding and then it makes you feel shit about yourself that's why social media can be such a a poisonous place right yeah but if you understand that like you want other authors to succeed in your genre because it proves the market so don't keep looking over the fence of what someone else is doing. One of my biggest bugbears, I haven't been enraged on this podcast in ages, David. It's been a long one my, time. One of my biggest bugbears is you'll see like a post where someone's saying like, oh, this author will be like, oh, I did this on TikTok and I've sold this many books. And then everyone goes, oh my God, show me how you did it. Oh my God, how did you do that? Yeah. And then someone will go like, oh, but I'm also trying to do book bub ads. It's like, stop, just stop doing what everyone else is doing. Just yeah. focus on writing your books, building your brand, and like build all that up and your marketing. 
And then it won't just benefit your career, it will massively benefit your mental health as well. Yes, absolutely. Great point. Really good point. In fact, all six are kind of key, all six points we've just spoken about, Rob. Um, again, people might, listeners might feel a bit overwhelmed by what we've shared over the last 25 minutes. Uh, if we've given you homework and you're daunted by that. Tough. Uh, tough. Tough. No, it's not <laughs> tough. What I would say is, listen, we've just given you six tips there and, and each of them could require a, a tad bit of homework. If you have the time to get to it this week, that would benefit your books within a week. If you can't and you don't have that time, take one of these tips each each week over the next six weeks. Get your book, you know, go through tip number one and get your book covers and blurb um, as good as they can be. And then try the writing in sprints or getting your pricing right or a revenue generating plan and um, get your back matter right. Take one of them each week. And we're now at the beginning of June. If you take one of them each week, by mid-July, you will have everything set up, everything set up for you um, to have a healthy career in this game. To Oh, my indie authors. Oh, my indie authors. Oh, my oh, indie Jesus. authors. Oh, my indie authors. I put your hands up. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Christ. oh, oh, oh. oh. Oh, 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 oh. If you got a question, send it to our mailbag. If you got a question, send it to our mailbag. Oh, oh, oh. Where's the mail? Welcome to the mailbag. That's all I've got to say. There's not a lawsuit. No, I mean, people were probably thinking, oh my God, they got Beyonce on this podcast. Unbelievable. Um, but yes, welcome to the mailbag. I have a question for you, David. Been sent in to us from the United States. Yes. Um, I shouldn't do that because we had Dustin on last week and he was a wonderful gentleman. I shouldn't shouldn't mock the United States accent. No, no, there's too many accents. Yeah, and I'm rubbish at accents, so I shouldn't do it. Um, anyway, we do have a question. <laughs> Great singer, though. Great singer. Yeah, well, as we know. Um a question sent in by Freya Romain, um, who has asked, is it best to concentrate on selling paperbacks or ebooks? I much prefer to read a paperback. And because of this, is this what I should concentrate on? Oh, thanks for the question, Freya. Uh, short answer to your question is no. Um, <laughs> what you prefer to read on is sort of inconsequential. Yeah. It's um, what you need to concentrate on is the mass public and what they're reading on. And, and all the data tells us that the fastest growing um, platform or format uh, people mm -hmm. are reading books on is is downloadable ebooks. Uh, it's actually, well, it has been, that has been the case for the last 12 years. But now I believe that audiobooks are now uh, growing um, as quick or even quicker than ebooks. But um, just to give you a very slight uh, bit of data on how I sell my books, Freya, I think about between 85 and 90% of my books sold are ebooks. Yeah. Sounds about uh, right. So I, I would, to answer your question very bluntly, I would heavily concentrate on ebooks. And I'll tell you why, because to sell a paperback is a lot more difficult in terms of if you are trying to get somebody, well, let me put it this way. This is simpler. To sell an ebook, you can run an advertisement where the potential reader has to press a button and the book is bought. 
the ebook is downloaded onto their Kindle on their phone or their, their Kindle device or their iPad or wherever they, they have their Kindle app. And it just, that's what's given Rob and I and all the other successful independent authors their career because it's so simple to uh-huh. sell the Kindle version. Yeah, this, I'm with you. Short answer is no. But I'd go one thing is that you take your own preference out of it because you're not the market. Um, yeah. And I mean, what I do, I don't, I don't specifically say this is the ebook version. I just send people to the sales page and let them, let them make the distinction. Yeah. If they want it in ebook, yeah. they want it in paperback, or they want it in audiobook. Um, All the I need to get are there. I need to get hardback sorted out at some point, but ju- give them the option by all means make sure that's why i think you should have as many different formats as possible um but i don't think you should focus on one because your preference is is that way inclined um i just think you'd be you'd be doing yourself a disservice rob my favorite section of the show we are back at the seven questions and we have a fantastic author joining us uh, over the next 25 minutes or so it's mark wells mm-hmm. mark thank you so much for giving up your time this morning we really appreciate it you're welcome guys now you hi mark uh, mark hi, rob. rob rob mark um <laughs> legacy of shadows college of shadows gate of shadows this is uh three of your books mark part of a fantastic brand any of our listeners there check out mark wells on amazon for how to nail a brand can you tell us a little bit about those books they look fascinating yeah so uh they're set in a uh, this sort of uh, fancy world cambridge gothic which is uh it's actually basically think stranger things comes to cambridge university so uh, we've got we've got basically a, a fantastic backdrop here of cambridge uh, the city but also the colleges and uh i thought i've always felt i was a student here many years ago and i was if I'm honest, I spent more time actually in the bookshops than I did in the law <laughs> library. And um, as I walked sort of back from lectures, uh, thinking how much work I had to do, I'd sort of stare up at the gargoyles on top of the buildings and think, oh, wouldn't it be great if those gargoyles actually moved? And so I had this idea from all those years ago about writing a series of fantasy books set in Cambridge, because places like Oxford and Cambridge tend to get lots of crime and spy novels, but no one was really doing fantasy. So... So yeah, I um I got to the age of fifty five and thought if I don't do it soon, I'm never going to do it. Love and it. so yeah, fifty five, a bit like you, Rob. I sort of like took the plunge and so ended what I was doing and uh, moved here and started writing. And uh, wow, and those gargoyles yeah. finally came to life. They certainly did. Absolutely right. And uh, you know, it's been great fun. If I'm honest, um, it's been I'm a complete. I'm, I'm a very old complete novice and uh, learn, learning by doing has been uh, the motto but it's been a fantastic journey so far oh wow well we'd love to dig deeper into that journey so far mark so um are you ready to face the seven questions go for it let's <laughs> let's do it come on then let's go let's go shall we so question number one are you a full-time author i am now yes i've got various other things i've sort of kept Congrats. keep doing so uh, I, I sort of trust you a couple of charities but fundamentally my day job is writing that's great mark congratulations and, and and all from seeing those gargoyles on the top of cambridge uni when you, when you were 18 <laughs> years of age 
Yeah, um, and then finally, some decades later, that they finally came to life. So brilliant! We're, we're very proud of what you're doing. Uh, great that you're full time now. Let's get under the hood a little bit and see uh, uh, some of the decisions you've made in order to get to the position you're in now. Um, yeah. So, question two is: Are you wide or exclusive with your eBooks? So I'm exclusive on eBooks, but I'm obviously wide on audiobooks. Right. And as I was saying to you before we mm-hmm. went live, you know, I'm a massive audiobook listener. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I really wanted to make sure I did was uh, was do audiobooks. And the great thing, I mean, I love KU. I mean, I really do. I've got fantastic read through, which so the KU is great for me. Um, and so I'm very keen on the exclusive. And Amazon have been brilliant in supporting me on this journey. And I think you talk about it a bit in your, you know, in your podcast, which is a lot of people sort of do down Amazon, but someone like me, I'd, don't think I'll ever be able to go indie if I didn't have Amazon yeah. because they've helped me through the whole mm-hmm. process. But then the nice thing is that actually the the genre that I'm really you know fascinated by audio, I've been able to go much wider. And it's you know I get you know my audio books are listened to all over the world and and obviously in places where things like Kobo and, and Barnes and Noble and so forth uh, have outlets. You know, so I've got people listening to my books everywhere. But uh, obviously, my main ebooks and print books are through Amazon. That's amazing. If I could just do a little spin off question there uh, Do you record the audiobooks yourself, or do you have a professional do it? Yeah, that's it's a good story. We're going to talk about that later, hopefully. And sort of, oh. what would I do differently? <laughs> but no, yeah. but I, I, I do, uh, I do have a, a company called Chatterbox Audio who do my production, and I've got a fantastic narrator which they found for me, a Kieran Sword. And actually, this morning before I came to do this podcast, I was listening to the uh, the first few chapters of the third book, which has just been released, Legacy of Shadows, and uh, just going through the first few chapters that Kieran's recorded for us. Nice, Kieran Sword. What a great name for! Uh, I know it's good, isn't it? I know. Well, it's it's spelled S A W A R D. And I, 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 when I first uh, got got in touch with uh, uh, Chatterbox, they uh, they said Kieran Sword. I said that's a great name, and then they sent the details through, and I thought Sword or Sayward, you know. So, but it is it's pronounced Sword, and, and Kieran's fantastic. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah, perfect name for your yeah. for your uh, narrator there. Um, Okay, so that's you've you've given us a little hook there for something you're going to talk about later. <laughs> but I go question three, which is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Well, um, I know you love the covers of the books, and they are fabulous. And I think the thing mm-hmm. that I've learned is, you know, what am I paid to do? I'm paid basically to write. And I, I've when it came to thinking about something like the visuals of what of my brand I, I i've just no no idea really so i went and found it took me some time but i found a really great cover designer and what i learned by i think you've both done the spf 101 course we I have you yes. were saying yeah and i love i love the mark dawson spf uh, uh, course and um when i was um one of the things that mark says in his course and i think he's absolutely right is when your books are up on something like amazon you're competing with the big boys and the first thing people see is they see the cover and if the cover doesn't hit people between the eyes then they're probably not going to then look at anything else and so i thought you know i've got to get that element right so i found this brilliant cover design team called spiffing covers again a great a great Mm -hmm. name yeah and um they're three guys uh who basically used to work for some of the big agencies in london and they moved out to east anglia 
and um and i've been dealing with them and they've just been great they've loved the brief uh, which is very much to sort of have a fantasy setting set against this real backdrop of Cambridge. So yeah. each of my covers has uh, a sort of um, has a uh, sometimes the image of the cover has actually been photographed by me. So I've got uh, the Bridge of Size, that's a photograph by, taken by me. Uh, I've got uh, the Eagle Gate from St John's College taken by me, and also inside the St John's College Library, all those original photographs were taken by me. But then I send the the images down to Spiffing Covers, and they turn them into these fantastically rendered fantasy covers and uh i think i think that's helped enormously because like most people you know who's gave me the feedback you guys gave me which is yeah the covers look really great and and that's definitely helped they do yeah your books are great advertising uh, advertisement for spiffing covers and um, it's the first time i've heard of them i've already googled them uh, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah your, your books are fantastic and everything you design looks great but rob and i have just spent the last half hour the first um, part of the show discussing how key uh, book covers are on your whole sales page and, and yours just looks immense it's a great example of how to do it yeah um, so which brings us to question four uh, it's kind of a key question that I think a lot of our listeners want answered <laughs> uh, how do you market your books March? Well, like I said, a complete novice. So uh, I did the um, I did the one hundred and one course and just went through Mark Dawson's formula, really. And and the, so the first thing is I started building up my mailing list and uh, yep. used Facebook ads to do that, uh, and that worked okay. Uh, and I think that uh, I, I got up to about ten thousand people on the mailing list, and uh, and then I discovered that I'm a very slow writer, <laughs> and, I, and, and so a lot of them went went dead on me, understandably, because mm-hmm. I wasn't getting the book out quick enough. And so yeah, I um, so I culled it. I've culled it twice, and I've got a, a core mailing list now of people who are patient. Great, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's been that's been quite a learning curve for me. I got a lot of people quite quick. Quickly, but then realized they weren't engaging with my newsletters. Uh, but now I've got a core group that are very loyal and, you know, do engage with me a lot. And then, you know, Facebook ads, then I, when I got the books out, Facebook was my go-to advertising platform. I tried the Amazon ads, but I was really struggling with Amazon. I, I, for various reasons, I was not quite getting it right with Amazon. So, so Facebook is my core marketing tool with my mailing list. And then about um, a year ago, they, uh, I saw this thing about book talk and uh, I started looking at book talk and, and not being, you know, first for a start, I'm not good looking and I can't dance. So I figured this probably isn't for me. Um, and, uh, you know, age 55 years old, I thought I'm not going to make a complete fool of myself either. So this is probably not going to work at all. But actually, um, I did the SBF course on that and I just put a TikTok out and it went pretty well actually and i discovered that actually the book talk community are not into dancing and they're not into you know all the sort of whizzy stuff they're actually just interested in books and i discovered obviously these hashtags where you can find people who are specifically interested in your genre of book Ah. so if you're writing in a fairly niche genre and mine's sort of like urban fantasy or sort of um ya academia type fantasy um you can find them and uh and it's been fantastic if i'm honest you know i'd say tiktok is almost as important to me now as facebook ads oh that's fascinating mark i have not oh. attempted mm. uh, tiktok thus far i assumed my readers weren't necessarily there but 
I think I might pick your brain. I think we might send out another invite to you to come on the show and, and, and teach, <laughs> sure. teach us about that. I also, point B, uh, you say you're not particularly good looking. I'd say you're, de- you're the best looking on this video call. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that says about yeah. me and Rob. <laughs> I won't ask you yeah, to dance. Well, I won't ask you to dance. No, please don't do that. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It's funny because I think I think that's the thing I've learned about being an author is that you, I mean you're the same. I know you know listening to your podcast, which is you try things, don't you? People recommend things, you give it mm-hmm. a go, and if it works for you, you keep doing it. And yeah. if it doesn't work for you, you stop. Yeah. And and that's the lovely thing about being an indie is that you do have that freedom to sort of have a go at stuff. And and for some people, um, I think you no, know, uh, there's a chat called Adam Bezik. Have you had him on yet? We haven't. No. No. He's worth looking at. He's been massive on TikTok. And yeah. Adam, he's a, it's a lovely story because Adam's a, a nurse, an NHS nurse by training. He's been writing these um, these fancy novels and he just became really big on TikTok. And, and you've got to see his TikToks because they're, they're very downbeat, very doer, but really good. Yeah. And he got this great following. And uh, and I think that's the thing about for Adam. It's just like TikTok just was, was the thing that worked for him, whereas other people have just smashed mm-hmm. it on Facebook or smashed it on, oh, you know, on Amazon ads. So I, I think that's why I quite like the indie scene because everybody can teach you something. Yes, that's so true. And there's so much to learn and it's moving so quickly that, we, yeah, yeah. that there's things that we don't know about yet that will be key in 10 months time and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob is going to ask you the next question, but just before he does, can I ask you, did you go through the Mark Dawson TikTok course? That's how you got the hang I of that? Yeah, I haven't done that. I must do that. Yeah, I did. It, it's it's a good start. It gets you going. I mean, the key thing it gets you to, it gives you just enough confidence to put your first TikTok out. Yeah, and then if you're any if you're like me, once you've once you've sort of got a, a, a basic understanding of the tool, you then play on the tool. Right. And the more you play, mm-hmm. the better you get. Yeah. And and um and I've got uh, so Karina, my wife, she's brilliant because uh, uh, we basically uh, my 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 day is I write I get up early. Uh, so my, my working day, and now I'm full time, is I get up about five o'clock, make a cup of tea, read the things I need, basically the edits from the previous day. I do those first thing. And then we have a bit of breakfast. And at seven, I go off on a bike. I've got a big old Dutch bike with a big frame on the front because my, oh, my son runs a coffee shop. And I, I basically, yeah. I, and at seven o'clock in the morning, I cycle off. This is my morning exercise. I cycle to these two bakeries in Cambridge and I pick up some pastel donata and some croissants. And then I cycle over to Michael's coffee shop, hand them over to him, clean the tables for him, put the signs out and then i head back here and then from basically from nine till one i'm writing that's my sort of oh, no one's allowed to you're winning me. at this life thing <laughs> well no no so, so yeah, amazing it sounds really good it's never as good as that but I'm basically <laughs> nine nine till one i'm supposed to be writing i generally speaking you know apart from things like this i do that and then um then after lunch from two o'clock onwards is marketing all the other stuff we do you know yeah, man, yeah. all you know because there's so much other stuff isn't there like accounts yeah. and goodness knows what else but basically the afternoons is, is writing and at about four o'clock karina and i plot the tiktok we're going to do that day and that's what we do brilliant and then i sort of try and sort of record that in the next hour so by five i'm sort of done for the day and then at five o'clock i basically will read to karina what i have written that morning and i get the initial feedback from her about 
oh that was fun or didn't like that or if she laughs it's always good or if she you know you know gets a shock that's always good right. and then we have supper and that's uh, and that's our sort of working day so yeah I, I find that having someone there to bounce ideas off for say tiktoks is quite useful because yeah. you've got to come up with something new every day yeah and it's isolating yeah i mean what what a wonderful story of having a really supportive partner yeah. as well. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. My my wife's incredibly supportive of everything I do, except she doesn't read the books because, <laughs> as she says in her own words, they're just not for me. Um, anyway, that's incredible. And it's amazing that you've got that routine and you can stick to it yeah, as well. It's, it's great. It sounds um, amazing. I will move us on to uh, question five, which is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Well, I wished I knew how slow I'd be to write and uh, what that the difference that would have made is that I probably would have held off releasing my first book until I'd written the second right. one and maybe started the third. Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the truth is, you know, I, I sort of, I sort of chucked it all in. So so basically, I'd handed my notice in and everyone said, what are you going to do next? And I said, well, I'm going to do a creative writing course. I'm going to go and do an MA in creative writing. And they said, oh, great. And I sort of saved enough money to do that. And um, I, you, know, you know what it's like. You've got this idea for a story in your head. And in my last few months of my job, a bit like you, Rob, they milked me really hard before I stopped. And <laughs> so so actually, um, I didn't get enough time to sort of get things finished. But I, I started writing it. And, and so I had the manuscript ready, written and I sent it off to the editor and so forth. And... And, and basically, the editor came back and said, you know, she gave obviously lots of changes to it, but fundamentally, it was okay. And she said, mm -hmm. what are you going to do next? And I said, well, I'm doing this MA in creative writing. She said, do you really need to? And um, and then we sent it uh, off to a, a, another chap who was actually a lecturer at the at the creative writing thing to proofread, and we sort of knew him, and he proofread it, and he said, no, I don't think you're going to get too much out of the out of the MA. Yeah. So so. We were sitting there with a the manuscript that had been edited, and, and obviously I just got the SBF course, and I did the SBF course, and I thought, well, maybe she just put it out there. And Karina was like jabbing me in the ribs saying, go on, just put it out there, put it out there, see what happens. Great. And um, so I, I, we put it out, and it became a bestseller you know, in its genre. And, um, uh, and uh, But, of course, you know what happens then? Everyone was saying, so where's the next one? Yeah. And, and I, I, yep. I had this – if you read the book, you get to the end of the story and it's a, it's a good fun story. It's, you know, it's got, it's a complete story, but I wrote an epilogue and it was, it was one of those moments where I thought, do I, don't I, I had this idea for an epilogue, a little twist at the end, I thought, do I, don't I, and I stuck it in. And when I went through all the advanced reader stuff and everything, everybody, you know, really liked the epilogue. So I kept it in, but of course the epilogue's a bit of a lead into the next Jeez, novel, yeah. which, which meant that, you know, I was people on my back for about a year trying to get me to get the second book out and um eventually i got it out and then uh and then you know and then then i realized i'd written a trilogy nice. <laughs> and again it's accidental it's one of those things where i've got the sort of storylines going in book one i continued them in book two and i suddenly realized that actually um i was going to have to sort of bring those storylines together in book three so book three was quite a tricky book to write yeah. to sort of bring the three together so book three again wasn't as quick as i wanted so if i had my time again in answer to your question i'd probably have at least two books written and the third underway before i launched the first one yeah it does make sense i think mark dawson talks about that as well through the course of 
um, rapid release in a way can really set uh, fire to your indie author career. May I ask you um, how long it takes you to write a book, Mark? Is it about 10 months? It's, it's a... Yeah, yeah, it's about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it varies a little bit. I, I've, um, I've tried this nano writing challenge and I've got sort of quite a lot of stuff down, but I find the faster I write, the more I need to edit it. Yeah. Um, so I'm one of those people who consider very carefully what I write. And if I consider it carefully, it doesn't need too much editing. Yeah. Um, but, but it takes me a while to work it out. Interesting. Right. Fascinating how the different stages and the different, uh, times it takes us to, to write books. But I've, in, in my, I've now written 11 books and I've written them in two months or 12 months. Like it's, I, yeah. I'm not consistent. It's not every three months. It, 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 it varies, uh, book to book. We're on to question six. Mark, so what okay. is the biggest frustration for you as an independent author? Well, I made the the sort of the novice mistake really of not being really clear what my genre was when I wrote <laughs> it. I had this idea for a, a story, and so I wrote the story. And then, of course, I was scrabbling around trying to work out: so is that YA fantasy? Is it urban fantasy? You know, is it uh, is it this new thing which is sort of like academia fantasy? And uh, and I'm sort of I'm, I haven't really found my go to um, uh, sort of lookalike author who's like pulls the people in. Yeah. So um, people who read the Ben Aronovich Rivers of London series love my yeah. stuff, uh, but he's not quite the same. Yeah. Um, uh, the Jim Butcher people in North America like my stuff, but I'm not quite the same as Jim Butcher because I've got these multiple points of view. Uh, I've got um, four main characters, three of them are students, you know, two freshers, one third year, and a professor are my four main characters. So I've got four points of view in the story. And um, it's a contemporary setting. It's an academic setting but it's fantasy so i don't i realize now my frustration is i've never really been able to find someone like you know mark dawson's got lee child yeah. you know um uh and so i've never really had someone i could sort of piggyback on for example with the amazon ads yeah and so my frustration yeah. is that when i when I wrote the book, I, I hadn't understood the importance of marketing and understanding the complete book package before you go live. And, and, and so um, since then, I did, a, I did a really good course. Um, uh, it sounds a, a, a fairly naff title, How to Write a Bestseller by Susie Quinn. But Susie Quinn is really good at this. Susie is really good at uh -huh. identifying the package before she writes a word. Oh, so, she right. knows, so she knows what the title's going to be. She knows what the cover's going to be. She knows the genre she's going to be aiming at before she plots it out and then starts writing. And therefore, when she, when she launches, you know, she's really clear how she's going to market the book. And, and for me, I've, I've basically spent the last three or four years working out how to market the book. Great. I think it's it's something you just learn as you go, especially. I've been in that boat. I'm, I've mentioned on the podcast a few times, I have a, obviously my Sam Pope series is what I do, but I have a Bermuda Jones series, which is sort of urban fantasy. But when that was with a publisher, they were telling me it was sci-fi. I was like, well, you should know you're the publisher. So finding your, it's, if you don't write a really mainstream genre, like I, I do, I write action hero. Yeah. But like David, you write in different genres. You have to, really you know pick and choose your category categories very carefully yeah, i've been i've yeah. been i've been down that trouble road marks being down with my america books and they're just not comparable mm. yeah mm. yeah it's tricky and the other thing i've been you know, i'm nervous about is um 
So uh, I used to work many years ago, I used to work for a company called Games Workshop who have this Warhammer world. And if those people are into wargaming and so forth, I mean, we'll know about Games Workshop. And we had this fantastic fiction. um, uh, We we created basically a publishing company within the the gaming company to publish novels around the the, the fantasy worlds. And um, for them, when I left them, um, they had a window each each, um, spring for people who could submit a short story to see if you could become one of their writers for their books and I was interested in becoming a writer uh, but I just worked there and I just left them and I thought you know if, if I send a short story in and they know it's me then I'm going to be you know, will that affect their judgment about the book you know will they remember me as an employee or you know will it be for or against me and I wanted to know whether it was any good yeah so I created a fictitious pen name um, called Nicholas Alexander which is the middle name of my two boys mm. and um, so I created this Nicholas Alexander and it's sub- submitted under this pen name Nicholas Alexander uh, and anyway it won the submission competition so they published the short story oh, wow. and then they published a second one for me right. and then they asked me to write a novel and at that point I was moving down to Cambridge and I just didn't think I could do it justice but but I I, I was very clear not to talk about that series when I did my urban fantasy series here in Cambridge because I didn't want people getting confused about the type of books I yeah. write and so I think I can understand someone having a different pen name for a different genre mm. Because, yeah. you know, when people see your name and they get used to your name, they expect a certain type of book, yeah. don't they? And so I think with yeah. my marketing, I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to this, this, this sort of Cambridge gothic feel for my writing under the name Mark Wells. Great decision. It's a really good decision. It's a great decision. I, I constantly have conversations with my readers who love Sam Pope that I don't know if Bermuda will be for you <laughs> because this is about monsters and other worlds. Yeah. Very different. Um, but yeah, so Mark, it's been a fascinating chat. Um, it's been great to hear about the decisions you've made. Um, it's been really eye opening, yeah. especially around TikTok. That's been fascinating. Um, however, you have come to the final question. So what is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Yeah, so this is, I mentioned it very, at the very beginning, and this is the, sort of the anecdote really for this, which is um, I think the really important thing is quality. Mm-hmm. So whatever you do, make sure it's the best possible quality you can do it. And um, uh, and by the way, you don't have to spend the earth to get really good quality, but I think working with really good people is important. So um, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier, I love audiobooks, And so the, the one thing that I'm really frustrated about is when I went to the audio um, uh, for my first book, which is get, uh, which is um, College of Shadows. So my debut novel had done really well on Kindle. Um, and you know, like I said, been a bestseller. So I thought I'm going to do an audiobook now. And, and I thought I knew enough about audiobooks to actually not go to a production house. So um, I used ACX, which is the, uh, the Amazon version of um, sort of Audible. And um, ACX, mm-hmm. you can, I found a really nice voice, a really good actor. He'd been in a big BBC TV series in Poldark. So he had a really lovely voice. Oh, this is great. And he's producing his own um, audiobooks. And, um, uh, and uh, so I, I commissioned him and used him. And what I didn't realize was, even though he had a fantastic voice, there's an awful lot of like um, editing to do with an audiobook. And um, he wasn't so sharp on the production side. And we launched this book and I was, and, and I was quite happy with it. But then I got, I got my first ever one-star review was someone who got really ticked off with some production issues in the audiobook. And, um, 
and it was oh so frustrated because of course i love audio and so um about uh, a year later i was ready with my second book and i had this decision to make did i use this chap again and i decided in the end that i, I didn't want to take the risk and so um uh, you know we passed on good company and obviously he was very happy with you know what i paid him for the first book but i, I decided i didn't want to use him for the second book and because i've got the same storyline and the same characters i realized i'd have to re-record book one with whoever i used again ah. so so i found mm-hmm. chatterbox audio I, I, uh, found chatterbox audio i looked at a number of different production companies but chatterbox audio again a bit like spiffing covers they're a really terrific team who used to work in London and they moved out to somewhere nice in the countryside to live and they're in the West Country and Chatterbox have two top-rate studios, recording studios, and uh, and uh, they've got a great sort of like roster of narrators. So we chose Kieran Sword to be the narrator and then they did both books, book one and book two together with Kieran. Great. And, uh, and we signed him up for book three as well, so he would be doing book three um, a year later. And um, uh, and that would be my bit of advice is don't compromise on quality, you know, because once it's out there, it's there for a long time, isn't it? I mean, you guys are talking yeah. about the fact, yep. you know, you make most of well, most of us make most of our money over what we wrote many years ago. Yes. And you just keep selling. If you keep marketing it as an indie, you know, that's mm-hmm. a big income stream for you. So if you've got a quality problem on something you did three or four years ago, that's really going to affect your income over time. So I, I'd say my advice is do it right, do it well, first time. Mark Welch, wow. That, that's one of my favorite seven questions, I have to say. Uh, wealth of advice there. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your time and best of luck going forward. Those books look amazing. I, I wonder what you're going to create next after this trilogy, Mark. Thanks very much, David. Thanks, Robert. Cheers. To It's like a, a repeated recording of us, David, talking about how much we love the seven questions. But a massive thank you to Mark there for joining us for today's um, podcast. And such his books look fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're at the given. Um, we spent a half an hour earlier on talking about how to do this and how to improve to make sure you can have an indie mm-hmm. career. Mark, Mark has ticked all those boxes. And then some, he's doing great, uh, as we said to him. And another another gentleman, another great person in this community. We're, we're happy to have Mark involved. And it's, it's great that he gave us some of his time today. Yes, thank you very much, Mark. And if you would like to be like Mark and be big and brave and join us for the seven questions, we have a sign-up sheet in our Facebook group, the Two Indie Authors Podcast. So, yeah, definitely do that. And we'll be in touch. David, before I let you go, what have you got planned for the next seven days? I plan to spend less time on the toilet. I um, am looking at getting to the halfway point of my novella now. So uh, I I think I can do it. I'm also then plotting and planning for um, this big meeting then that I'll have towards the end of the month. And I'll tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to go over the six tips that we gave today and make sure that I am even maximizing what i can there so so so, uh again i'm learning from the show and you know i used to say when i was uh, a student and learning stuff could barely learn that when i was a teacher and teaching stuff i learned everything because Mm. when as you as you're whatever you're teaching you have to know about so i taught more or i learned more as a teacher than i did as a student and it's the same with this show i'm learning every week and if me and you have to go out and do some research of what's the six best tips that you can give 
and then suddenly I'm coming up with ideas or tips and going, am, am I, be honest yeah. with yourself, David, are you maximizing this yourself before you pass this off as a tip? And and I'm not, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to look into it and make sure that I'm ticking those boxes as heavily as I can uh, over the next seven days. What about you, Rob? I'm also going to try and you know, get back to full fitness um, and get some writing Great. done. Um like you, I'll go over the tips, make sure I'm doing that. One thing I'll throw out there for people, a little plug for the sales tracker that I put together for the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. I believe there's a read-through calculator on there. So you could mm-hmm. use that to have a look at, if you're designing your pricing plan, how much you could effectively earn if you price at certain points based on the percentages you can get. So that might be a useful tool for you to use. Um, yeah, again, that's on the top of our Facebook page. It's it's pinned up there, isn't it? Two in the authors on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pinned up there. Yeah, join the group as well. We'll see you there, David. I will speak to you next week when we're hopefully both feeling better. And everyone, speak to you soon. Oh, 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 oh,